0: Welcome to the Park Road Talkback Podcast. Today's podcast is a conversation with Russ Dean, co-pastor at Park Road Baptist Church with Amy Jackstein, about his book, Finding a New Way Home, The Unlikely Path of a Reluctant Baptist Renegade. I'm Bruce Holliday, Director of Communications at Park Road, and today Russ and I will be talking about Chapter 6 of his book, entitled, A New Theology. God Always Does Everything God Can Do. Hello, Russ. How are you today?
1: Hey, Bruce. I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, more conversation and walking us through the book together. And today,
0: uh, so as, as, as people know who've been listening, we are going through your book chapter by chapter, and today we're doing chapter six, uh, God Always Does Everything God Can Do. Can you give us a little bit of a background about the, the inspiration for this particular chapter?
1: Yeah, for this, we go back to seminary days. Amy and I were students at Southern Seminary beginning in 1988, and it was probably my my second year of seminary. I was in a systematic theology class with Dr. Frank Tupper, and one day in class, he made the comment, God always does everything God can do. And I remember, I, I say in the chapter, it's kind of like the air went out of the room, that statement, God always does everything God can do. And somebody pushed him on that. What do you mean? God can do. God can do anything. God is God. And we had a we had a lively discussion about that. Um, and that one experience is probably the reason this book exists. That one statement was as strong as, as as any as any one thing has hit me in my faith journey. I really worked on that, and it has worked on me for thirty years.
0: When you say, God always does what God can do, tell us exactly in your mind what that means.
1: I begin the book on this subject, and I call that book, The Power of the God Who Can't. God always does everything God can do. And I begin that book by saying, God is not omnipotent. There, I've said it. Um, This is, if there is a if there's a controversial chapter in my book, it's this one. God always does everything God can do. For many people, the idea that God isn't all powerful, that God, that that's not just the nature of God, that God could stop the hurricane and stop the tornado and heal your cancer, that literally God just has the power sitting outside of space and time to reach down into the world and do anything, anytime, any way God chooses. To suggest that that 's not what God is would be very would be very troubling for a lot of folks and um so I recognize that this is a uh, a pretty bold statement for for folks um, as I have worked on this and this has worked on me, I have decided there's a better way to think about God and that there is a way that that works better in our understanding of the world and what we know about the world and science, but also a way that works better, that matches better what Jesus tells us and what the life and death and resurrection of Jesus tell us about who God is and how God works in the world.
0: So perhaps it's a matter of semantics, uh, but is there a difference between the statement God is not omnipotent and God chooses not to intercede perhaps in the in the case of someone's cancer or natural disaster. Are those two different interpretations of God's role in and war? You know,
1: I I've heard people talk about um the limitation of God, I've, I've heard other professors and other pastors talk about the limitation of God in the world, um, and, and the way they basically put that is, well, God limited God's power Uh, after the world was created, um, because God can't be monkeying around with, you know, every little thing and tweaking every little thing and pulling strings here and there. And so God created the world and then God limited God's power. Um, And so in a way, in a way they they have maintained they can say, "Oh, I believe God is omnipotent, God could do anything if God wanted to, but God has limited god 's power, and God has chosen you know to to limit that power bruce that 's just that 's just frustrating for me, in that I think those people are trying to deal with what i 'm trying to deal with." is a world uh, where, where very, very bad things happen and and we believe that God is love and God is goodness and yet why does the Holocaust happen and why do hurricanes happen and why do children die of diseases and you know all these bad things and um, you know one way to deal with this is to say, well God's omnipotent, but God has just chosen to limit God's self. I, and that feels to me that feels to me like, um, semantics, sort of theological gymnastics. Well, I need to maintain that God is omnipotent, but I'm also dealing with kind of the reality that God doesn't have the power to work in, that God doesn't work in this world. And so it feels, that feels to me like semantics. Um, and I finally got to the point where I want to say if, if I have to say what is the nature of God, is God Is the essential nature of God power that God literally could do everything, if anything, anytime, anywhere, if God wanted to? Um, Or is the essential nature of God something different than that? Um, Then I have chosen to say, I think it's better to say um, there are actually some things God cannot do in the world. Um, But what God can do, God always does. God is always working in every way, in every uh, um, situation, that the power of love, that the power of God's presence, that the power of God's Spirit is always fully God, always fully with us, always fully doing what God can do. But but that power is not literally the force to monkey with the, the laws of nature and stop your cancer or stop the bus from running over you if you step out in front of it in the street or move the hurricane or, you know, so, so I, I, I want to come full circle and say, I'm not just trying to play with semantics here. I, I, I think I've, I've come to the point where I, I, I need to say, I've got a choice. I can either say God is omnipotent or God is not. God is something different, and I've gotten to the point where I, I'd rather say God is something different than that.
0: And I think that I read in this chapter that uh, you you've come to the conclusion, in fact, that the God who can't is actually more powerful. Could you uh, help us understand that a little? Yeah,
1: that's what I say in the in the book: the power of the God who can't. Um, I say that God is not all powerful, meaning the force to literally interrupt the laws of nature and and literally do anything, anywhere, anytime. But God is the greatest power in the world. I've got a whole section of the book that deals with this, that word power. We, we hear the word power, and I think we, we think of force. We think of control. Can God control anything? Um, and that is most people's understanding. And so I I have a section in the, in the book that deals with that word. Um, while I have rejected the notion that God can literally tweak uh, the, the, the happenings of the world in any way God wants to, I think that love is the greatest power in the world. And that the greatest changes that happen in this world happen not by force, but by love. And so I do believe God is the greatest power in the world, but that power is not the force to manipulate the laws of nature.
0: You actually have a, a great quote in this chapter from James Finlay that uh, love protects us from nothing even as it sustains us in all things.
1: Yeah, and and I give the uh, kind of a thought experiment. Um, Let's say that I was diagnosed with a terminal cancer one day. Could my parents change that? My parents gave me birth. They're the reason I'm on this earth. Um, Could my parents change that cancer? Well, no. My parents have no control over that cancer. Um, What they could do... um, they would pray for me, and they would, uh, they, they would visit me, and they would call everybody they knew, every doctor they knew. They would do everything that they could do. Um, they would be here to uh, take care of my children if that's what was needed. They would be here to sit in the house. They would be here to visit in the hospital. They would do everything they could do, but my parents do not have the force to control the cancer. And so I asked the next question, would I want my parents to have that control? And I say, in this thought experiment, the the easy answer is, well, yes, of course I would want them to. They could, they could just snap their fingers and then I would no longer have any cancer. And then I say, so let's play this out a little more. I have an older sister and a younger brother. And let's say that Adair and Philip are both diagnosed with cancer when I am. And let's say that my parents chose to heal me but not to heal them, or that my parents chose to heal them, but not to heal me. Uh, Is that what I really want of my parents, for them to have that kind of control over me? And I think, you know, that's not what I want. That's not what I would want. And my parents' love for me is greater than than their ability to control. And I would rather have my parents' love than my parents' control because of what all that implies. And what does that imply about the freedom that I have? If my parents could heal my cancer, could they also zap me in the next instant with another cancer? You know, could would they control every movement that I have? And so it is the same analogy that that is exactly the way people speak of God. Well, God could heal your cancer if God chooses to, you know, or if you pray enough, or if you, if you get enough people to pray with you, if you're faithful enough, you know, um, if it's God's will, all these things is what we say, you know, God has the power. And if God chose to control that, then God would heal it. And I just think, we have to think about what the implications of that are for our freedom and for our relationship with God. If God could control that cancer literally by just snapping the divine fingers and saying it's gone, then what are the other implications of that? What else can God control? And am I really free? And do I really want that to be my understanding of God.
0: Right. And You actually propose that, that that we need a theology of reality.
1: I think the, the language that people use of faith um, it, it so often very much connotes that, well, God is kind of the man upstairs and, you know, controlling everything. And everything happens for a reason. And, you know, God is there pulling the strings. And if you pray right, if you do enough, you know, you know, God will just heal you. God will just take care of it. Um I don't think that matches the reality that most people experience. Well, if you just pray enough, God will just do what you want. Um, And I want to try to make my language to come into the reality that people experience. Um, and, And I don't think that the words that are often used about God's control of the world and the will of God. I I don't think that kind of language really matches the reality that most people experience. I don't think we have to throw out the idea of God because God can't control everything. There is I think a more powerful way to think about who and what God is than to think God is some divine man upstairs who can pull the strings of of natural law and just do anything.
0: Right. You say that being a person of faith need not make us hopelessly out of touch, completely at odds with obvious reality. My
1: understanding of God has brought me closer to the presence of God, the power of God in everyday life. The God that I used to understand, the God I used to believe, is a very distant Um, all powerful, but distant. And the idea was to be, you know, fully enough in touch with God to live faithfully enough to be a good enough person to pray, right? To However that all works, to get God who is out there to intervene and come down here and do something. I don't think that's a very adequate understanding of the God who is with us, who is never never apart from us. And so when I say, Bruce, sometimes in this conversation, I'll say to people, I don't believe God intervenes. And they look at me like I'm crazy. They look at me like I'm some kind of atheist, like, what are you talking about? And I think, you know, the God I understand now doesn't have to intervene. In fact, cannot intervene. Intervene implies that God is not with us. God is away from us. In some way, the power or the presence or the potential of God is not with us until God decides to be with us. And then God does something. And I say God is always with us, never apart from us. How can God who is never apart from us intervene? There there is no distance between us. God is always with us, always working, always in every moment, being all that God is, doing all that God can do.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that uh, just your experience as a pastor, uh, standing in the pulpit or dealing with people's struggles and challenges and disappointments has had a real impact on shaping your, uh, your yeah, and,
1: and again, this goes back to the kind of language that a lot of people use. Um, you know, trust God and God will take care of you. And, and uh, you know, the um, if it's the will of God, God will heal you from your cancer, That those kinds of things. And I, I think one of two things happen with that kind of theology Um Either people learn to distrust God. um, Well, why didn't God heal me? I'm a good person. I've done all the right stuff. I've prayed, you know, all that kind of stuff. Either people distrust God or they learn to hate themselves. Well, I'm not good enough. I'm not faithful enough. Uh, God doesn't care enough for me. There must be something wrong with me. And so I think that theology so often pushes people in one of those two directions, either to disdain God or give up on the idea of God altogether or to to loathe themselves. There's something wrong with me. So, Bruce, I, I want to help people say it's not a diminishment of God in any way. My understanding of God is that the presence of God is always with us. That's more powerful than a God who is out there somewhere, and that if we pray right, then maybe God intervenes on our behalf. You say that the church
0: now is uh, at a crossroads between two extremes, between religious fundamentalist and atheism and that we need a better way to talk about God. How, how do we equip people with that better way?
1: Well, we get them to read this book, and then we get them to read read the next <laughs> one when I, when I get it <laughs> um, Excellent advice. I, I think that it's a matter of getting people comfortable with, um, I think a lot of this has to do with our understanding of science and, and scientific understanding in this world. There There is such... Um, a conflict for so many people between science and religion. Um, And I think we need to help people to to get in touch with the uncertainty of this world and things happen, and sometimes we can't explain them. Uh, It's just the way the world works. Um, And, you know, science can now explain a lot of things that we used to attribute to God. Everything that happened, the disease was God's punishment. You know, the tornado was God's punishment. Um, you, you know, all healing came from God's direct hand. God was directly involved in everything. Science tells us now, medical understanding tells us now that, you know, viruses cause disease, bacteria cause disease. This isn't, this isn't God. Let's, let's help people get comfortable with that and with the, uncertainty of life. You know, bad things happen uh, even to good people. God isn't controlling that. God didn't send that for you, or God didn't literally withdraw God's hand of protection so that could happen to you. You know, this is the way the world works. God is the spirit of love and the spirit of strength that helps us um, to withstand whatever comes.
0: Yeah, you say that God is not the divine force manipulating the laws of nature and, and human lives capriciously. God is greater than that. And I think this conversation certainly gives us a lot to think about in terms of a, a, a God who is greater than someone who dips in and out of our lives on occasion for either good or bad. Uh, and uh, and I I'd certainly appreciate the idea of God's constant presence and God's love that sustains us if it doesn't always protect us.
1: Yeah, and sometimes I hear, you know, when I've had this conversation with people, again, they, they just react negatively. And and it's like, um, well, you believe God can't do what you ask when you pray? And I, I want to carefully help people think, listen to how, how you frame prayer is getting God to do what I want, what, what I need. Um, and I think what What more do you want God to do? Uh, You know, God is God. God is always God. Um, Maybe people have potential that we don't always live up to. Maybe there's more I could do to be helpful, to be a good husband, to be a good father. Um, Maybe I miss some opportunities. I think of God as fully actualized potential. God is always doing what God can do. Um, There's a a verse in in the book of Romans. um, God is always working to bring about the good, and, and I think for some people that means you know if you pray right and if you do the right things, well God will will intervene. And the work working together is the Greek word soon ergine, and ergine is the word for energy. God is the with energy uh, working to bring about good and. To me, Bruce, that helps me with my understanding of kind of a scientific understanding of the world. There are forces that we don't understand, um, and I think God is the energy connecting us. God is the energy of healing. God is the energy of love, and that energy is something we are bathed in all the time. When people are are cured of disease, and even in ways that doctors can't explain, can't understand, is God in that? Absolutely, God is in that. God is always working. God is always the energy working. Um, If that person doesn't get healed, does that mean God wasn't in that? No. God is the strength and the energy giving people uh, the strength to get through when they when they don't get what they want, you know, when when the bad things do happen.
0: Well, Russ, we've had another very interesting conversation, and I uh, I appreciate your energy and sharing your ideas and thoughts with us uh, during uh, this conversation today.
1: I could obviously spend a lot more time talking about this chapter, Bruce. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a lot here, and and uh, if people are upset about this idea. Read the chapter. Be, read carefully and think. One, one thing I'll say, I'll say this as, as my last word. Um, I think that, he, that theological language is our language. I think God is who God is and what God is, and what Russ thinks about God is not going to change God, obviously. But the way we talk about God has great power. The way the way the church has talked about God gives, gives a power over people. This uh, the, the concept of God becomes, in essence, becomes God. And so I think our language is really, really important how we talk about God and framing God as the presence of love always with us, I think is a very different kind of language than framing God as the all-powerful force away from us, who might at some point come and act in our way and so i've made the choice to use language that isn't traditional but it is language that i think helps us frame god and understand god in a way that is more helpful and more healthy. well
0: i would i would echo your uh your advice to people to uh to read the book uh, <laughs> this it's hard to condense all this into a 20-minute conversation, and there's just so much there to, to, uh, to learn and, and to think about. So,
1: absolutely. Yeah, we've gone over time a little bit today, but thank you very much for the conversation.
0: If you would like to learn more about obtaining a copy of Russ's book, Finding a New Way Home, you can find that information at the Park Road website, parkroadbaptist.org, under the Resources tab. We also invite you to share this podcast with your friends and family. They can find it on the Park Road website, or you can listen and subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, or TuneIn. That's it for this week. From all of us at Park Road Baptist Church, thank you for listening today. Grace and peace to you.